Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with another episode of uh, Tomahawk Talk Quarantine Edition. Uh, we were we were on last week. Uh, Gary and I were joined by Tyler Phillips and Luke Hazen. An extra long episode, uh, an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, we, we don't promise, but we're pretty sure we're not going to keep you that long this time around. But it should be a good one. Uh, Gary, I noticed this week you're, you're rocking the mustache, so... We've reached that stage in the quarantine. Uh, how have you been, man? It's going downhill fast. As you can see, <laughs> gone straight to the mustache now. Had it like kind of shaved down last week and then decided to screw everything off but the mustache. Um, I've invested in a Nintendo Switch Lite. So I got that coming in the mail, hopefully, so I can start playing some Animal Crossing to make time pass faster. And I've watched Tiger King, and I assume most of you have as well. <laughs> I, I did. I don't binge watch shows often. Uh, usually I'm a, I'm a one or two episode per day kind of guy. And uh, me, along with my roommates and my girlfriend, uh, we all kind of wa- we watched it. We sat down and watched it over the course of two days. And yeah, that, that was something else. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Tiger King here in a second. Uh, joining us tonight is uh, the Tomahawk Talk producer, Sebastian Angeliano. Sebastian, I know. Uh, it's been a little while since we talked after, you know, since everything's gone down. Yeah, it, has been um, a while. it hasn't been uh, a lot of great news. We, we've kind of been waiting for great news, but I'm happy to have you on the night. We're going to, we've got some stuff to talk about. So Sebastian, what have you been up to, buddy? Absolutely. Um, I have to be honest and say after my uh, national shooting competition uh, was effectively canceled over the, um, the weekend before spring break. So the weekend of the 15th. Um, all I did was a kind of a thousand mile sprint home, uh, cause I went up to Talladega, went back to Tallahassee and then went back to Tampa, um, that weekend. And apart from that, it's just kind of been cooped up here at home. I have a lot of, uh, family members that are, um, very at risk if they got sick. So I've pretty much been on house arrest for, for two weeks. It's not been bad though. I've had a lot of video games to keep me company and a lot of friends who play video games to keep me company. Um, but you know, you do take these moments to appreciate kind of the daily grind and the people that you come in face to face with. Um, so I miss everybody at uh, WVFS, everybody at the sports department, but uh, I'm keeping myself busy. Thanks for yeah, having that, me on that's the show. A, no, no, we're, we're, you're always welcome. Obviously you're, you, you do a lot of great work for us. Um, and, and that's what I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't have a show. We were going to have a show on the Monday of spring break. We ended up canceling the show because we couldn't get back to the radio station. We were told that's, pretty much coming from the university. Um, and that first Monday, you know, it was spring break. I was home. I didn't really, you know, feel any different, but then last Monday, and then again, this Monday, um, it, it's really hitting home because tonight, you know, we, we would be in Diffin ball right now, live on air doing Tomahawk talk afterwards. The whole department would be meeting up for a meeting where we could all kind of catch up. And then, you know, we'd, we'd go to a really crappy restaurant for dinner after and kind of spend some time together. Stop and, and calling that, Applebee's that, crappy. It's crappy. <laughs> it's like we know what you're referring to. Our <laughs> last that. supper was at Stop Applebee's. That. And I'm very embarrassed to say that. I said that in one of the group chats. We, If we had known it was our last meal, our last supper, probably would not have went uh, – with that, with that, we would chain. have gone to a much finer establishment, something top shelf. Uh, I'm thinking uh, Miller's, oh, M- M- Guthrie's too. <laughs> yeah, but. it was. Uh, <laughs> no, and th- those that you know, those are the times that that we're all gonna miss the most, um, and uh, it's something that we're dealing with. But 
rounding out tonight is uh, a face that I, I'm glad to see back and a voice that I think you all will be glad to hear back again on Tomahawk Talk. It's Austin Reynolds, who's down at his home. Um, I'm the only one on, in Tallahassee that's currently recording right now. Uh, but but Austin, what what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Um, mainly what I've been doing is watching an anime called Haikyuu. It's about volleyball, so it kind of ties in with sports here. Uh, very very fun series. We won't to watch. be talking about that tonight, though. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, last episode <laughs> of last episode of this season airs next week, though, so I'm very uh, very excited. Uh, but really, I've just been sitting around the house with my parents, um, trying to find decent replays of old sports games on ESPN. I've gone out to Zaxby's a couple times. Just the drive-thru, though. Just the drive-thru. Yeah. You know, I don't have Zaxby's down here, but what I would do for some Zaxby's right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's the the, the cravings have gotten to me a couple times. Well, the the closest one is like 30 minutes away from me, and I'm not going to drive 30 minutes away. I I know for me is in Brandon, dude. There's one in Riverview, Sebastian, right over in Gibsonton. What? There is? By the the, uh, new movie theater. Oh my God! This Just is... giving Sebastian life. <laughs> yeah, I used to eat there on my lunch break. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, I would go, but um, like I said, I'm I'm on a short leash. The the closest place I can go for like fast food, honestly, is McDonald's. And my mom is like, okay, so you need to you need to put on the mask, you need to put on the gloves, yeah. and when you do put on the gloves, you have to have a uh, a pair of gloves for uh inside your car, and then when you have to either get out or handle the food, it's like at at some point it's just more gloves. hassle. Though gloves for my gloves basically yeah. and wash my hands like three times and not like bring the bag that the food is in in inside it, and her heart's in a good place so i'm like willing to put up with it but um it's uh it is a bit of a hassle but i'm, I'm it's like a hassle it's um there's a saying in spanish you know uh a minute for your life or a life in your minute right basically oh, yeah. where it's like you can put up with this stuff but it'll, it should only take you a moment or you can just lose it all and not much of a moment so, like, just work with what you got, I guess. Words of wisdom right there. Oh, uh, yeah. Going back to what Austin said real quick, mention, uh, mentioning looking for uh, replays of sports to watch. Now, I've always been a guy that, you know, can't watch a, sp- a sporting event after it's been played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, like, DVR a game and then go back and watch it that night. But I have been able to go back and watch some more historic games from start to finish. Um, because obviously we know what happens at the end of those big games, if it's a World Series game, or recently I watched Game 162 from the 2011 season, Rays-Yankees, where the Rays come back and clinch a spot in the playoffs after a walk-off home run. Um, but outside of that, I've been looking for the other little intricacies of e- either that game or that broadcast that I can you know, find some enjoyment out of. Uh, so I, I guess you could say I've, like, I've been able to watch some old sporting events. What I've been doing... Um, is watching a lot of wrestling documentaries, and yes. now uh, on w- on the WWE app, uh, I've been able to go back and watch old WrestleManias. So oh, that's how I've been spending my time, because um, a lot of those WrestleManias, like I know the wrestlers that are in them, but I don't know the results necessarily. So it is like watching a sporting event for the first time. Um, and uh, so yeah, I've, I've I've actually I I wasn't I didn't think I'd be able to. I thought, man, I'm just gonna be cold turkey without sports for who knows how long. But I've been able to find some enjoyment in watching old games. What about you, Gary? Well, credit to MLB. What they did for what was supposed to be our opening day last Thursday with putting out all those games across multiple different platforms 
for like every single team had their like one of their best games in their history. Like the Marlins, they played the 2003 World Series game six against the New York Yankees. That was a great one. I thought they should have played maybe the Bartman game. That's another great game. But it's I've struggled generally watching old games. So like I have to try and find games that I don't even remember happening. Like for a lot of those old World Series games, I remember what or sometimes like they'll put the description like say like, oh, something so and so happens here in this game. Don't tell me that's what's going to happen. I want to come in with like a clear head and no idea of what's going to happen. Because if even if I know like King Griffey Jr. comes with a big hit late in the game, I'm going to be waiting for that. It's just going to be like, okay, when is it going to happen? That's like watching a movie. Like it's watching a movie after it's been spoiled for you. The Royal Rumble, uh, 1999. I'm just thinking of uh, the wrestling bit that Brett was on about. Uh, Royal Rumble 1999 is great because of what Gary said. I, I went into it kind of blind. I knew generally what was going to happen up and down the card, but uh, nothing is better than just getting a pop uh, because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, and like, that, that's something. I, if you haven't watched it already, Brett, I recommend the Royal Rumble of 99. I need to um, check that I think one that's out. Something, I think what we're, we're talking about right now is something that like the the bigwigs up at the top of our respect our favorite leagues have done a really good job of doing which is responding to like well there's no sports what do you do now we'll open up the archives for people let them enjoy um some sort of sport to keep them distracted from what's going on outside or anything like that i think like i gotta give major props who would have thought that the nfl would have done that for uh not me (laughs) the game pass is free for like two months that's ridiculous that's insane nobody would have thought like you know And uh, and it has just about every game since 2007 or 2009 on including every single playoff game and super bowl too which is really cool and preseason i believe and a ton of those highlights you don't even have to have the service for like Mm -hmm. um i'm thinking of the the eagles bucks game in 2002 the the last one where they tore down the veterans um that game is up completely for free on on youtube you can just watch it on youtube on your on your phone on your tv wherever you want uh, for free that's also a thing. A lot of uh, golf tournaments, like the Masters, they put up just about like every single final round of each year's Masters from whenever to whenever, and you can just go back and that's four four or five hours worth of content there. So like if you don't remember exactly, like you you might remember who wins the tournament, but there's still a bunch of little cool moments within each tournament or like round that you don't remember, and you can say like, oh shoot, I remember that guy from whenever, and so it's a little bit fun to watch some of those golf tournaments. And uh, gentlemen. Go ahead, Austin. Go ahead. Any of you guys do, and uh, I have to get mad at you. But I know that Fox and ESPN are both airing um, older classic ESPN games, or uh, NFL games, rather. Uh, ESPN is going for their Monday night package, some of the more famous games in that in that history. And then Fox, uh, yesterday, they started some of their classic Super Bowls with Super Bowl 51. I did not tune in. I will also <laughs> not tune in to the ESPN rebroadcast of the, uh, the Saints' first game back in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Uh... Oh man, that's that's a was storybook that, but, game. But, that's, but it's uh, it, it, it's good that they are putting out that content for people that do want to watch it. Yeah, I know someone who did tune in for that Super Bowl Fifty One replay yesterday. I think we all saw that one on Twitter. There, Mr. Tom Brady did <laughs> the, the, the newest member of the, the Buccaneers, right? Yeah, He's exactly. My quarterback. my quarterback. That's my quarter. That is my quarterback. Yeah, too. your guys' quarterback. Jeez, too many Bucks fans. Bucks, le- <laughs> Bucks legend Tom Brady, dude, in the flesh. Well, gentlemen, I, I hate to break up this great discussion, but I, we've got some breaking news, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's something we've kind of <laughs> expected that's coming. I don't know if Gary already knows what I'm going to bring up, but it looks like the NCAA has made their decision regarding spring sports. Um, they are going to be granting 
all spring sports athletes an extra year of eligibility. And with that, it pretty much sounds like the roster limit for baseball and I'm guessing softball and all the other spring sports is kind of scrapped for the 2021 season. So any seniors that were seniors this year that are using this extra year of the eligibility granted to them um, will not count against your roster. So they, they don't have to cut down the incoming recruiting class. They don't have to cut down, you know, they don't have to cut other players. They can leave uh, as many players as they want in. Now, I don't know if every school will be able to do this financially, um, given you know the amount of you know scholarship money you have at your your you know at your hands, but that's pretty big news because that's something that we weren't quite sure what's going to happen. It had been rumored and pretty much you know well known that they were you know all the players were going to get another year of eligibility, but there were still questions there, uh, you know, with incoming freshmen and with all these other things. So this is uh, I don't know, pretty pretty big stuff coming in as we record. My biggest question is, is will we be able to see 50, a team use 15 pitchers in one game in a Sunshine Series? That's what I want to know. No limits on rosters? Let's see where it goes. I would love to see it. That would yeah. be interesting to see. The, we, you, with these non-conference games we get on a Tuesday night, Every are going to take five out. Dude, it's going to be just, you're going to have a pitcher per inning. <laughs> yeah, We're you basically going to go pitchers. to like cricket levels of uh game duration manafred <laughs> is rolling in his metaphorical grave right now i love you love to see it, it it'll be interesting stuff. to see what what happens with florida state i think they had six seniors on the baseball roster um i can't name them all off the top of my head but i i'm guessing not all will come back maybe yeah most will. yeah so, it's... And, you know It's going to work out like, but we, we, we're not quite sure what things will be like, what the roster will look like. Um, and then we're going to have to wait and see, you know, what freshmen, you know, do. Are they going to lose playing time or we're going to have to redshirt? A lot of implications of this, but it's good to have some clarity. And it looks like, yeah, the NCAA has put out a press release. This is official. Um, and I think that's good news for everyone involved. That was probably the only decision they could have made, even though we uh, we don't give the NCAA a whole lot of credit. I think they did the right thing here. Yeah. Any other comments NCAA, on that? For all oh, for once, the NCAA did the right thing for once. I mean, they never they took down Trevor Lawrence's GoFundMe to raise money for people who uh, for the COVID nineteen situation. And they took that down, but then after being bullied and dragged through the mud, they put it back up. And they said, "Okay, Trevor, we'll let it, we'll let it slide this time." <laughs> so finally, they they did the right yeah. thing. Uh, this yeah, is definitely a good move, and it's it's a nice change of pace from what we see from the NCAA. Um, I know, like on the day that most sports were canceled by the NCAA, um, a lot of our concerns were with the seniors who were going to potentially see their careers ended in such an un, uh, unfashionable way. So it's it's just good to see that they can come back next year and hopefully perform just as strong as they would have under under normal circumstances. Who, For sure. My my question is like who is going to jump on this opportunity? For a lot of them, especially in, in a sport like baseball, where um, age does play a factor, who is going to jump on? I'll, I'll take a fifth year in college instead of going through a, a farm system. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm not saying it's a good idea. It's just. Um, your your window as a player, um, especially if you're in that farm system for longer and longer, shrinks in terms of how long you can go up in the majors. So it'll be interesting to see who actually stays because I don't think the number will be extremely high. 
only f um, I think it'll be very popular on those like borderline players um, that aren't quite good enough for the farm system or quite or feel like their um, current like scholarship um, way of life is uh, a better option than a uh, minor league job which might not pay as much. Um, but uh, apart from those, like the good guys will move on. The guys who are like almost there might stay. That's what I think. Yeah, you'll definitely see guys that are using this as an opportunity to, to keep helping their draft stock or create draft stock if they don't have any at all. Um, for guys that don't really see a career in professional baseball ahead of them, that's a toss-up because they might either decide, hey, let's stick around, let's keep my career around for another year, let's keep playing baseball at Florida State, let's get a, you know, actually play a full season because, you know, that that's a, it, there's a big emotional investment there. Or some of them might say, you know, is it really worth sticking around when I could start, you know, looking for a job or starting a family or whatever you want to do. So we're not going to try to make decisions for these guys. We have no idea what's going to what everything's going to look like come February. Um, and I, it's going to be really interesting to see see what happens there and see how college baseball rosters are built moving forward. Now, we do have some more news regarding winter sports at Florida State. Now, the NCAA, there was some thought that they might grant seniors from winter sport an extra year of eligibility that won't be happening um at least from what we know now uh which is really sad because obviously you play the entire college basketball season they, they played the entire regular season but you you're, you're working towards the tournament and that never got to happen yeah. and uh so they they won't get to a proper end a proper send-off but uh, there is, is some news regarding Florida State basketball as Patrick Williams, true freshman this year, declares for the NBA draft. Uh, he could be and, and probably will be the second consecutive player to leave Florida State early and get selected in the first round without ever starting a game in college. We'll have to ask the uh, Elias Sports Bureau, but I doubt that that has ever happened before. Obviously, last year it happened with Fiondu Cabangeli, and it looks like it'll happen again this year with Patrick Williams. Gary, was this a shock to you at all? Not really. I mean, when he first came in, it was expected that he was going to be this one-and-done kind of guy. But as the season kind of progressed, we thought, oh, maybe there's a chance he can stay another year. Maybe we can have a maybe Florida State can have this super team if Pacell and him stay, and everything kind of comes together with recruiting and all that. And the recruiting side started to come together, and we we're like, okay, wait, maybe something's put coming together here. But he played extremely well for coming off the bench in his role. He's got extremely, he's got just ridiculous athleticism and he's going to be, an, he's an NBA player. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he was, yeah, he, Williams he's was, a guy that has got, go ahead, Austin. No, go okay. ahead. Yeah. I, I have not kept this a secret. He was far and away my favorite player to watch on this year's team. So kind of sad to, to see him go in that regard, but I mean, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion from day one that he was out of here after one year. Um, there was, like Gary said, there was maybe an inkling of uh, a possibility later in the season that he might want to stay uh, for one more year, get a chance to start some games, maybe put up a, a bigger scoreline than he was already contributing off the bench. But uh, I, I completely agree with what y'all are saying. He is NBA caliber at this second. It'll be fun to see. And, and um, it'll be fun to see It'll be fun to see him play. I'm... Yeah, it's, uh, 
he's he's going to go in the first round. I I said it on Tomahawk Talk before that I think he's a better NBA prospect than Devin Vassell. That's you know no nothing against Devin Vassell there. That's just what I see out of Pat Williams, his explosiveness, his athletic ability, the way he plays the game. Um, but going back to what Gary and Austin said, we we, we saw this happen last year with Fiondu Kevin Gelly. We saw him have an incredible season. We saw him becoming one of the most fearsome players, the most intimidating players in the ACC, and you're thinking, all right, he's probably going to go to the draft. But wait a second, you know, he hasn't even started a game all year. He's predicted, you know, he's projected mid to uh, late first round. Why don't you come back, get some time, and be the star, be the face of this program, play another full season, and you might be a lottery pick or a high lottery pick. And we, we thought the same thing with Pat Williams. If he had stayed another year, he would start every game next season. Um, that just wasn't what Leonard Hamilton was going to do with him this year. Um, but I think with Williams' decision and Kevin Gelly's decision last year, we kind of we're kind of realizing that these decisions made by these players, they think that their shot at the NBA is fleeting, and they want to take every shot they can get to get into the league and to get drafted in the first round. So as the season progressed and we saw what Pat Williams was doing off the bench, he he still averaged. Uh, I think it was I, I had it up earlier. Oh, he was averaging. Uh, 9.2 points a game, four rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block a game. And that was only on 22 and a half minutes per game. So he's playing half the game. Uh, incredible stuff that he was doing off the bench. Um, he was the ACC sixth man of the year, uh, and, he, and he earned that. I think there was Cabin Gelly the sixth man of the year last year. I believe so. I want to say so. So Florida State's won that two years in a row. Uh, if he had stuck around, yeah, he would have been. It would have been him. You know, it's, it also begs the question, is Scotty Barnes going to start next year? We mm-hmm. thought Pat Williams, I thought Pat Williams was going to start game one. Leonard Hamilton decided to t- take his time with him, you know, build up those minutes as the season went on. I never ended up giving him a start because he never really had to change up that starting lineup much throughout the season. Um, but yeah, I think I, at, once we got to the end of the season, it was clear that, that Pat Williams was going to the NBA. Well, my question for you guys is, how do you think this situation and what we're kind of in now with no uh, combine and limited meetings, I guess, do you think this is really going to hurt or help his draft stock? I think it'll probably, I don't think it'll do either. I think if we had the combine and the ability for teams to work these guys out, um, Williams could have passed Vassell. He would have been Mm -hmm. selected before Vassell. But without that, I think we'll probably see Vassell between 15 and 20 and Williams between 20 and 25, maybe a little bit closer. Maybe Williams can sneak into that top 20, depending on who else declares for the draft and, and, and how everything kind of shakes out. But I don't think it hurts him. Um, he's still going to be a first round pick. Uh, it's not like he was on the bubble guy for the first round. This is just another opportunity uh, or this is just he just loses another opportunity to maybe get closer to the lottery. Yeah, and I was going to say another follow-up to that is, is there anyone that is possible in this college landscape that can help their draft stock in this situation? Because I know it's it's going to be so tough for anyone to kind of do anything in, right now because they can't really get eyes on them. That's, that's kind of a tough question to answer because if you're talking about whether the combine could help or hurt some guys, I mean, we, in, in any college sport, we have ideas going into the combine of which players are going to perform which players are not going to have the best performances and then sometimes for specific players those perceptions get flipped on their heads when the combine actually starts so i don't really see this absence of a combine helping or hurting anybody 
it's 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 an it's an inconvenience to scouts who maybe want another metric to look to use to look at guys. But I mean, I think really any perceptions that you have, any game film that you have, is going to be the best thing that you have going forward. If anything, it'll it'll like we've we've talked about it. It hurts those borderline guys, and I mm-hmm. think what we'll really see next season, um, whenever it begins for for basketball, is uh, that the G League will be more cutthroat than ever. It'll be um, where guys who are trying to really earn their earn their keep on an NBA team, um, where you'll really see like just the most competitive. G- it's not to say that the G League is, isn't competitive, but it'll definitely by far be fill up to the brim with guys who are definitely hungry to um, earn their spot on a on a team that could use a young like set of legs uh, and hands for um, what is arguably the most competitive we've ever seen the NBA. Yeah, I've, I actually never thought about the G League up until that up until you just mentioned it there, because like there will be a lot of more guys, like you said, that are going to be hungry to get those minutes and get eyes and get more playing time and possibly get pushed up to the NBA quicker. Like not like they're not already, but without the lack of eyes and kind of the way that things have went, they're not going to get the same amount of opportunities. Like there are some guys in the tournament like from these smaller schools that can make a big name for themselves because they're putting themselves on the national stage in front of a ridiculous amount of eyes that can get some can get some maybe some extra money out of it when it comes to the draft and comes to free agency i think that's a tragedy that that mm-hmm. we missed out on in um for the tournament because there's always that one guy who goes thermonuclear against a six seed for whatever reason drops 30 exactly. points in a game and yep, that, um, that like sells and that stamps his ticket to um to an nba to, to an nba roster and sometimes he balls out in the big yeah. leagues Shame losing the tournament is Losing the tournament is honestly a much bigger loss than the combine. Yeah, of course, yeah. 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 It's fun seeing, it's really fun seeing um, uh, sites like Reddit and just basketball fans across the internet kind of make do with what they got. And I've seen like uh, the college basketball subreddit uh, pick up this thing where they they take a, an old copy of like NCAA basketball from like 2008 or something, and they've been running the tournament through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked been about that. Much. We talked about that last week, and we mentioned Florida State got uh, knocked out by North Dakota State in the first round, the number 15 seed. If you didn't Yikes. see that, sorry, Sebastian, to break the news to you, but. Florida State's been bounced. <laughs> no wonder their their flares like faded on the front page. Like, I was like wondering. There's like no way, dude. We didn't ever even gotten that far in the tournament, and that's 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 a heartbreaker, Gary. Yeah, it's like, a tough one. Yeah. Uh, we we are gonna try to do some more college basketball talk next week surrounding Florida State. I think we're gonna theme our trivia game next week around Florida State basketball because that would have been the night of the national championship. It would have been Final Four Saturday and Sunday, national championship on Monday. Uh, So sad boy hours or sad girl hours as well uh, next Monday night when we're recording. So we're going to do some some college basketball trivia then. Um, But we do have to go back to baseball for just a second before we get to tonight's trivia game. Um, Major League Baseball has shortened their draft for the 2020 season to five rounds. Now, usually Major League Baseball's draft is 40 rounds. Um, there are a ton of – I think it's actually some years it goes longer. Um, it's the Baseball draft is goes confusing. into the 30s, I believe. Yeah, it, it, it changes a lot, and, and, and it's very confusing because not every player drafted signs a lot don't because they just draft a lot of guys out of high school that go to college. Um, but this year, shortened to five rounds. Now, that does not mean that 
those five rounds, you know, those 30 players or 30 plus players taken in each round are the only players that are going to play professional baseball starting either this year or next. Um, they can still sign as undrafted free agents. Uh, I don't know how many would be interested in that. I don't know what the money's going to be like to sign guys like that. Uh, that's, again, something we're going to have to wait and see. But with the draft being shortened to five rounds, that's going to have implications on slot money. Um, I, I know players are going to have to take deferred payments, which might be an impact on some of them um, in, in their financial state. So especially with the way minor guys, especially in the farm system. Yeah. Where yeah. It's minor like league the, players already aren't played paid very well. Yeah. You always hear stories about players like uh, driving for Uber, doing Uber Eats, uh, yeah. any other delivery services. Cause that's what they do in their meantime. Apparently, um, I, I saw a headline on uh, the baseball subreddit a few weeks ago of, of the stipend that the uh, MLB uh, gave to uh, teams for their farm system was really helping him out because he didn't have to do DoorDash anymore after that stipend that he was going to get uh, while this whole thing blows over. But um, it, it really, like, for a system like baseball is really dependent on, like, once you hit that upper crust that's where the money is and the money will sustain you. But in the meantime, you're going to have to hurt for a bit. And if players are going to have to hurt for even longer, that's just brutal. That's brutal. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting. The the one guy on Florida state's team that we, we all kind of looked at as a, as a first round pick, a shoe in for, uh, to be a first round pick was CJ Van Eyck. And I don't think this will affect his decision to leave Florida state at all. Who knows, though, maybe with the extra year of eligibility, he wants to stick around. Um, but I still expect him to go in the first round. But everything that's happened might have an effect on a guy like Matt Nelson, who is a draft-eligible sophomore. He had a really good year last year as a true freshman, was the starting catcher for a team that went all the way to the College World Series, and was off to a pretty good start again this year. Um, so, Gary, could how do you see this affecting Matt Nelson, if you had to take a guess? I think it kind of puts him in that in a weird spot because he would have had this full season here to show teams what he has and if he could be projected for a higher round pick or making a jump either way. But he's I really feel like he might make this uh, might stay at Florida State for one more season just because he's going to get one more year, possibly at um, a summer league, whether it be in the Cape or wherever. But he'll get another. I don't see any summer league happening this year. Yeah, I know that's not good news for me, but um, he should be, he'll get another chance at another season and then he'll get a show stuff once more. But I, he's one of those fringe guys that it's just like, is he going right now or is he not? Cause he's still, yeah. was he, he's technically 21 years old. So that's what makes him eligible for the draft right now. But he's just a sophomore academically. So he still has a few more years, maybe if he wants to decide. So, and especially, I guess, would he technically have three more years left after this because of the uh, the NCAA situation now. That's what yes. it sounds like, yeah. So he'll have three more years possibly to prove himself. So I don't think he needs to rush it. He's got the talent where he can possibly help his draft stock even more in the coming years. But I got some other things to say, but awesome. what do you got? My thoughts are really in line with yours. I mean, he is kind of in this strange uh, setting where he, he was um, – the starting catcher for a World Series uh, team, as Brett said. But, I mean, this extra year of eligibility, I think, should seal the deal for him staying at Florida State uh, because he has at least three, or, I mean, not at least three, a maximum of three, at least one more year to prove himself. Um, I don't think that 
a lot of organizations are going to take the stats from the first few games of this year and like make their decisions based off that. I think their decisions are mostly going to be based on what they saw across the full slate of games in 2019. Um, but I I, I, I do see him staying at Florida State for another season. One other thing that's going to be really interesting with the whole draft being five rounds and players now being able to have that extra year is to see where college recruiting goes for high schoolers. Because with the re- draft being only five rounds, that could affect a lot of the money that's going to be moved around for high school players being drafted. And that might force some of them or might make a lot of them decide to go into college and play college ball. Because beforehand, you see a lot of guys, I think the best players generally who go play college ball are ranked about in the 20s for their high school recruiting class or their high school recruiting classes each year. So we might be seeing a higher level of talent coming to college baseball soon, which will be really interesting and really exciting. And I think that's going to be a huge part for next year if players decide to go that route. Yeah, for, for sure. There's going to be a lot of domino effects. Um, and again, we, we can't really speculate because we don't, we know as much as the next guy. So I don't, I don't think it will affect a guy like CJ Van Eyck, like I said, but with all the other players that move around in college baseball from D1 to Juco and, you know, coming out of high school, deciding on where they want to go and what, what the best path for them is to get to professional baseball. That's something we're just going to have to wait and see. But with that being said, that's all the news we've got. And so we're going to get back to trivia. Last week, we played um, a game similar to Baseball IQ, uh, which was made popular on MLB Network. And Gary beat out Tyler Phillips. Luke Hazen is not able to play. Uh, his phone died, so he was not able to stay on the Skype call. He was scared. Uh, fraudulent. But, uh, Fraud detected. Coward. Gary beat Tyler 3-2. to two. It was a it was a very very good game. Wanted to keep it interesting. Had to make it interesting for the people. Um, right. right now we're gonna do. So we did baseball last week because it would have been the start of the season. Uh, this week we it's not really themed on anything that's like timely, but we're gonna do Florida State football trivia, all based on the Willie Taggart era. There is one question that's not directly related to, related to football, but it should be a good one. No cheating, obviously. Honor code, V eighty nine honor. Um, basically how it's going to work is right now, I think I've got seven questions. I'm going to try to get it up to 10 and make up some as we go along, but we're going to have seven questions. Um, they're not multiple choice. They're free answer. You're going to write your answer on your piece of paper. I'll try to talk and keep the the vibe going. So we don't have dead air. You're just going to show me your piece of paper. You're going to have about 10 seconds to do this for each question. And then whoever has the most points at the end is going to win. And if we're tied, I'll come up with a weird tiebreaker before we start. Before we start, can I just uh, say that Willie Taggart is responsible for one of my favorite uh, Florida State memories while I'm at was while I've been actually been at Florida State, and it's the it's the Miami game, which is by any other means like a miserable game, but the way that game was like orchestrated by the boosters, by the game, just the way the game went, and the way things like fell out immediately afterwards. Have you ever seen like gladiators at the Coliseum? Willie Taggart was a gladiator that night at a Coliseum right before his <laughs> execution. It was it was incredible. I could do like an entire podcast on that game alone. Uh, one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced, but whatever. Let's get to the game. No, I I completely uh, to say. All right, let's get to to question one, and I'm I haven't really put these in order. 
But uh, Ricky Aguayo. We'll start with Ricky Aguayo. He was oh, a no, senior boy. in 2019. Oh, boy. He was a senior in 2019. Was 41 for 41 on all the uh, extra points. Did not miss an extra point. He had 14 field goal attempts in 2019. How many of those field goals did he make? Don't say anything out loud. Write it. How many field goals did Ricky Aguayo complete, convert, in 2019, his last season as a Seminole? You got about 10 seconds. All right. Final answers down? Yep. All right. Show them to the screen. Show them to the screen. Put them up to the... All right. Wow. You guys all all wrote nine. That's pretty incredible. You all wrote nine. Uh, It's a safe answer, I feel like. (laughs) No, it's really impressive that you guys all wrote nine and and no one uh, wandered to a different number. But what's not impressive is all of you are wrong. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, I just saw it. I looked it Ricky Aguayo converted seven field goals. Seven of his 14. Good Lord. A couple of those were nice. As all things should be. A couple of those were mean by giving him nine there. A couple of those were blocked, but seven field goals. I, I knew that was going to be a kind of a tough one. But that I, ghost of Turntill haunted that man until he <laughs> left these doors. All right, let's go with one where I, th- I think it'll be easier. All right, in 2019, Tamari Ontario led the Knolls in receiving touchdowns with nine. Mm-hmm. Who had the second most receiving touchdowns that year? What year? Last year. All right. Yeah. Oh. See, everybody sucked last year, so that's difficult. I feel like this is a curveball <laughs> answer, so I'm going to give a curveball answer. Yes, right, here. We're going to go like five more seconds. Final answers locked in. Let's see him. You wrote Best player on the team, man. You got to go and best all player three on the team. Of you this time are correct. Let's there go. Okay. Yeah. Got that Cam one, right? I, see, I that was a bit of a curveball, and, and, and Sebastian nailed it because he's not a receiver. But yeah. obviously, you guys uh, could not be thrown for too much of a loop. So I was highly considering. I was highly considering Gabe Neighbors for a bit. <laughs> he did have a couple. He, he did. Two, That's what three. I was thinking. Like he had a few. <laughs> Austin, can you keep scoring that whiteboard for me? So everyone's at one right now. Yeah, my, my dry erase board actually went out, so that's why I've been using the notebook here. But I, I, I can keep scoring. Something. You're in yeah, charge of keeping score. I can pull up okay. an MS Paint. Everyone's tied at one. Computer. You guys have all answered the same thing again, back-to-back times. I was hoping what are we to get playing to this time? Uh, we're just going to go until the questions are out and who has the most points. All right. Uh, right now, right now we've got five rough. more questions. We've got five more questions. We... we we might add a couple more. I want to get to 10, but I might have to make some up. Um, okay. Another another hard one. Oh, boy. Willie Taggart was hired on December 5th, 2017, and made an appearance at a Florida State men's basketball game December 6th. His, true first, his first true public appearance as head coach. Who was Florida State playing that night? Who was the men's basketball team playing that night? I think I know this. Wait. I'm no, lying. wait, no, no, no. What day was it again? December, December 6th, 6th, 2017. No looking it up. No, I'm just trying to think of the game because I was at the game. I was at the game too. December. This was... Yeah, this. I think this would fit the timing. I think this would fit the timing. 
not sure. Actually, yes, it would be. Wait. Was that game? I think in the right year. Five more seconds. Get your final answers down. Wait, no. I think I got the wrong year. Gary and Sebastian were thinking long and hard. Austin, a little more quiet, a little more reserved. Let's see if any of them have I'm really going to hate it if I crossed out the right answer. Let me see the boards. All right. So Sebastian goes with Notre Dame. Austin goes with Jacksonville. And Gary goes with the University of Virginia. So we had two ACC opponents that were listed. I was thinking it's a bit, maybe a bit early. Florida State had not started ACC play. So yes, I was those are. And Jacksonville was not on the schedule that year, I don't think. Unless they were next. I don't, they may have the been. Correct answer. Loyola, Maryland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. That, okay, at least. Okay. Loyola, Maryland. Okay. I, Sorry, yeah, was... my first answer was not correct either. <laughs> what did you write for your first one? I was just remembering Purdue as a very memorable game, but that was last year. That was in the 2018-19 season, not the 17-18 season. All right. I wasn't even um, sure if we played Notre Dame at home, but it felt like it fit. We play them every year at home. I'm going to give you a little less time for this one because this is one that could probably be worked out in your head if you took long enough. But in the year 2018, so Willie Taggart's first year as head coach, how many ranked opponents did Florida State play? So these are teams that were ranked Ooh. at the time that Florida State played them. How many ranked opponents did Florida State play? I'll give you like five more seconds to get your answers down. I think that's right. So again, ranked at the time of the game, at the day of the game. All right. Everyone's getting their final answers down. All right. Let's see them. If anything, I'm... All right, so we've got. I feel like Sebastian uh, cheated there. <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't ready. I thought <laughs> that was we were a bit late. I saw an argument, and then paper went up. Austin answers three. Gary and Sebastian both answer four. And again, no one is correct. Oh, my goodness. Six ranked opponents oh. that year. Virginia Tech, to start the season, I was a preseason one. top 25 team. Miami was number 17 when they played them. They hmm. played Clemson in Death Valley. They played. Notre Dame in South Bend. They played Boston College at home and won. Boston College was number 22. And then they played the Florida Gators at home and got destroyed. Florida was ranked in that game. I remember that game. Yeah. I had to watch that game from a Lexus like dealership because my mom's car was getting serviced and I needed to uh, be there. And instead of watching it at home, you know, in a fun atmosphere, I got to watch my team get picked apart. I had all those except for Miami and Notre Dame. Those are the two I forgot that were ranked. So Notre, yeah, Notre Dame, you only play them every few years. So yep. it's it, it, an easy one to forget, mm-hmm. especially how that night went for Florida State. Yeah, that I was at the UGA-Auburn game that night. I was actually not watching that game. <laughs> Notre Dame was in those hideous green uniforms that mm-hmm. night. Those were atrocious. Really bad. Just you have some of the best uniforms in college in college football. Just wear them. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid. All right, we're, we have three left. Everyone's still tied at one. Uh, and we, we're probably gonna have to make some more. It seems like only one player on the 2019 team recorded 100 total tackles. Actually, they recorded 101. Who was it? 
They led the team in tackles. Give you guys a few more seconds. This is, uh, we got was it exactly more. 100 or 100 or more? It was 101, they, but they were the only person that got to triple digits. I think I got that then. Um, I'll pull it up to make sure. Yeah, I was about to say, they please don't. The next uh, highest at 73, so they led by quite a bit. I think I had this one. All right, let's so. final answers. I suck at spelling his last name. Yeah, me too. I did uh, not try. I don't know. I don't Sebastian have an answer. Bailed on this one, and we get Hamza Nazarly from Austin and Gary. Uh, Gary just wrote Hamza, and then Austin nailed the spelling. I didn't want to I didn't even try. Not only did you guys nail the spelling, you both nailed the answer. You got it correct. You, your second point of the night, Hamza Nazarly, 101 total tackles in the 2019 season. Only because everyone was getting to the secondary, so he had to make the tackle. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the sad truth. That's, that's, yeah. what, that's the reason why. I mean, usually you would expect a linebacker or a defensive end to have the most tackles. Right. All right, we'll go back. One more question, at least for now, from the 2018 season. Who led the 2018 Noles in receptions? Who led the 2018 Noles in receptions? I'm not, this isn't going to get copyright flagged if I use that, right? I hope not. I hope not, yeah. We're, we're a radio station. <laughs> At this point, I don't know if we are. All right, let's see final answers. Most receptions? Most receptions. 2018. No, we're thinking on the same page again, Austin. And Sebastian fails again. Not. Nothing. Austin and yeah. Gary both Jam. go with Newton like, Murray. I, uh, Newton I tried Murray. to. What was I that, Sebastian? To, I tried to purge the 2018 season from my memory, <laughs> and I did a really good job, apparently. But um, the 2019 one is way more vivid in my head because I was more involved with games in the background that year. Yeah. So um, 2019, I can I can hang, but 2018, for whatever reason, I can't hang. Oh well. Oh. Uh, Austin and Gary both went with Nooney Murray, who had 54 receptions in 2018, which led the team. So hey, Austin boy. and Gary both get to three points. Sebastian's still at one. Gary, Austin's right on your tail, trying to take your title away from you. I know. Everyone's taking their shots at the king. Do it. All right. Last one. Uh, Florida State. At least last one for now. I think we'll, it, we'll say if, if one of you gets it and the other doesn't, we'll, we'll call it. Okay. Uh, if you both get okay. it, well, I guess obviously we're going to do a tiebreaker. Florida State scored over 40 points in each of their games against non-conference opponents in the year 2019. Those games, Louisiana Monroe and Alabama State, both times they scored 40 points. Those are their two highest scoring games of the season. Other than those two games, which game did the Knowles score the most points in out of those two seasons or the, just last year just last year besides uh, louisiana monroe in alabama state i think this one's correct all right give you five more seconds this could this could be for the title sebastian's still in there doesn't yeah, really have a chance to win it but can keep it close, can make it a one-score game, even though time is expiring. 
All right, let's see those final answers. All right, so we've got two answers of Boston College, one coming from Gary, one coming from Sebastian. Uh Oh, this is it. (laughs) Boston goes with NC State. They did score 31 points against NC State, but they scored 38 against Boston College. Come on, Austin. You were the chosen one. I know, I know. Outside of those two games against Louisiana Monroe and Alabama State, the highest-scoring game of the season for the Knolls. And with that, Gary wins the game 4-3. to three. Sebastian comes in in third place with two points. Uh, and uh, Gary holds on to the title for another week. He can't keep getting away with it. The double awesome. champ. Of, of all the games to forget there? about. What were your thoughts there going down the stretch as you had you had Gary right there? <laughs> I, I think the emotions just kind of got to me because, like, the, the Boston College win was one of the most memorable wins of that season. There, there were five of them. There were, there were six, rather. My bad. I was thinking of 2018. But it, it was a memorable win nonetheless. Well, that was um, an easy... But just, I, I, I couldn't think of it. That was an easy I, I game was... for me to remember because Sebastian and I were at that game. With yeah, we were Fett. at that game. So you... that was an easy yeah. one to remember. You have reason to remember it. I got you. Yep. And, and we said, I, I did say that this trivia would be Willie Taggart era themed. And this game was actually after the end of the Willie Taggart era um, with Odell Higgins coaching that game. But I, I, I just made the Willie Taggart era both of those full seasons because it really was um, until, you know, Florida State just made the decision to hire Mike Norvell. Hopefully in a couple of years, whoever is hosting this show isn't doing um, Mike Norvell era trivia where we get to relive some terrible memories. Yeah, hopefully not. But Gary, uh, you win back-to-back weeks. You took down Tyler last week. You take down Sebastian and uh, Austin this week. What, what's it like to be atop the quarantine trivia hill? It feels good, man. It, it feels good to be winning at something right now because there's not a lot of things anyone's winning at at the moment. <laughs> hey, man, there's always yeah. esports. <laughs> not the best not at not video the games. It's not a well, CLG fan. Jeez. Oh, well. That That is going to do it. That is going to do it for us tonight. We, we, as we said, we wanted to keep it as close to an hour as possible. We're under an hour tonight after the hour and 40-minute episode we brought you guys last week. Um, but for Austin Reynolds, Sebastian Angeliano, and Gary Putnick, I'm Brett Rutherford, and this was Tomahawk Talk. Again, only in podcast form. For the foreseeable future, we'll see you guys next week.